from the Heritage Foundation. I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. If you've been consuming news over the past three weeks, it's impossible to avoid the I-word. Impeachment. And if you're like me, it's probably difficult to see beyond the partisan politics surrounding it. That's why we started a three-part series giving an unbiased view of what impeachment is, the history, and the consequences. Last week, Tom Jipping explained a bit of the process. In this case, I mean, America's founders were concerned that uh, a a hostile majority in the House, let's say, uh, could just use impeachment as an opportunity to to boot out a president that the American people had elected. So they they had this two-step process. The House impeaches, but then the president or, or no one gets removed from office unless there's a trial in the Senate. And it takes two-thirds of the Senate to convict. So it it is a two-step process, and I think that makes sure that uh, if we're going to get rid of somebody who we've elected, uh, that it's going to be for serious matters, and it's really going to take a broad consensus of our elected representatives to do that. But as the old saying goes, it's hard to know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. That's why this week... In part two of our series, Hans von Spakovsky talks about the historical context of impeachment by looking at where it started, how it's been used in the past, and how that instructs the current situation with President Trump. Hans is a senior legal fellow in the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies here at the Heritage Foundation, and this week, he explains. Hans, where did the framers get the idea initially of impeachment? Well, they got it, of course, from uh, English history, since uh, England was the mother country of the United States. And uh, there was a long history of impeachment and how it worked in the parliamentary system that they have. And the way they finally put it into um, the Constitution after great debate was, as you know, the phrase was uh, impeachment is for bribery, treason, or high crimes and misdemeanors. And what they meant by that was serious misconduct by a government official uh, such that he or she should not remain in office for another day. And that's, that's an important consideration because remember, for example, when it comes to the president, you know, the American people decide who's president every four years. And uh, if you're impeaching a president, you're basically overriding the choice of the American electorate. So it can only be done for really serious wrongdoing. But that leaves a pretty large amount of material that could be considered for impeachment. Then, I mean, that's not very clearly defined, is it? it? it it's not, but um, it's very clear from the uh, constitutional debates and from the history of impeachment that it is not intended to be used by members of Congress for partisan political purposes. You know, the fact that they may not like a president personally, the fact that they may disagree with his policies, um, that's not grounds for impeachment. That's what elections are for. It can't be used in that method to overturn an election. It can only be used, like I said, for serious 
uh, wrongdoing. Two presidents have been impeached. We know that. Uh, We also know that no president has ever been removed from office after it was uh, handed over to the Senate. Um, But Andrew Johnson, President Johnson, came close. He, He came the closest. He was one vote away from being removed. So I was wondering, I know that you've done a deep dive on this. Can you give us a little context as to why that was so close? What 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 brought that about? See, that's actually a good example. Actually, I should say a bad example of how impeachment should not be used. Uh, folks, folks know from their history, Andrew Johnson took over after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. And even though he actually didn't agree with it, he felt honor-bound to continue Abraham Lincoln's policies. And Abraham Lincoln wanted to have a conciliatory policy towards the southern states, the former states, the Confederacy, in order to bring them back into the Union. Uh, The radical Republicans wanted to treat the South as harshly as possible. And because um, of the steps that Andrew Johnson took of a conciliatory policy rather than a harsh policy, they decided to impeach him. I mean, they even passed a law saying that um, he couldn't terminate any of the individuals that they liked who were in the executive department. Now, we all know the president is the one who gets to pick the heads of various executive departments. And so they impeached him. And what's interesting about it, if you look at it is, I mean, they they even put into one of the articles of impeachment, the speeches Johnson was giving saying that that uh, that uh, he spoke as if he was a, a, a third world dictator. Now, I, does that sound familiar? Yeah. And, and that it was does. that's I mean, that's my next question. So, again, back to this loosely defined term of what an impeachable offense is, what was his impeachable offense? Frankly, the, the Republicans of the time, they just made up a long list of things they, they said he'd done wrong. But if you look at them closely, it's because they hated him okay. and they didn't like his policies. I mean, that's what it really boiled down to. There was no actual law of any kind that he had broken in his uh, actions as president. Let's move to the 90s. Can you talk sure. a little bit about Bill Clinton's impeachable offense or offenses? Look, the one thing we do know about uh, Bill Clinton is that there's no question he broke the law. And the law that he broke was that when he was asked under oath about his uh, affair with uh, an intern in the White House, uh, he swore that nothing had happened. So he, he basically committed perjury. And that was really the main reason that um, he was impeached. As folks know, a trial was held in the Senate because the way this works is the House, by a majority vote, can impeach a president. A lot of people don't understand that um, an impeachment is simply, it's like a grand jury indictment. It's a list of unproven accusations. The impeachment resolution then moves over to the U.S. Senate, and the Senate uh, has the sole power to try it. So they they held a trial for Bill Clinton. It takes a two-thirds vote of the senators to convict, and he was acquitted. And the American people, it's very clear from polling, um, they agreed with his acquittal because they did not believe that his misconduct was serious enough to warrant removing him as president. And just taking a step aside from our conversation with Hans, have you heard of the President's Club meeting? Well, if you haven't, on October 21st through 23rd, Heritage is going to host the President's Club meeting of 2019. And if you don't know, this is an exclusive multi-day meeting that allows our members to hear directly from heritage experts and other leaders around the conservative movement. 
So far, the speakers for the President's Club this year, get this, Mike Pompeo, Ken Cuccinelli, Sebastian Gorka, Molly Hemingway, and of course, our friend Andrew McCarthy. One of the really special things about President's Club this year, Heritage will host for the first time ever a black tie gala called Heritage Honors, and the the keynote speaker is going to be Vice President Mike Pence. So it's going to be a really exciting event. And the really cool thing is that it's going to be a celebration of our unique American identity and culture. So to learn more about it, if if you're able to attend, visit our website, heritagehonors.org. That's heritagehonors.org. And you can enter the promo code GALACP to register. Again, that's heritagehonors.org. And enter the promo code G-A-L-A-C-P to register. Okay, back to our conversation with Hans. Let's fast forward to today. Can you do your best to synthesize for us what impeachable offense or offenses they're claiming against President Trump? Well, as you know, they started, uh, Democrats started uh, talking about impeaching him within two weeks of him becoming president. Now, back the first two years of his presidency, it was over the supposed uh, collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government, which, of course, turned out to be a hoax. The, the latest is over the fact that uh, the president had a telephone call with the president of Ukraine. And during that conversation, there was a great deal of, of discussion about uh, where the president was concerned about corruption inside the Ukraine. And he mentioned two things, one of which is being ignored. He said to the president of Ukraine, you, you guys really ought to look into the CrowdStrike issue. CrowdStrike, you know, was the company hired to try to find out who had hacked into the DNC computers. And there were, although there have been Russians indicted for that, uh, there were rumors that there were Ukrainians involved. And the president has talked about that, the rumors that there were Ukrainians involved in that, and asked the president of Ukraine to look into that. I would think Democrats would want to find out if Ukrainians were involved. But no, they're concentrating on the other uh, uh, corruption angle that he talked to him about, which was the stories out there that uh, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, on a trip to the Ukraine, threatened the Ukrainian government and said that the U.S. would withhold a billion dollars in a loan guarantee unless the Ukrainian government uh, fired a prosecutor This particular prosecutor, what was he doing? Well, he was investigating a Ukrainian energy company that had hired uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and was paying him, if you all can believe this, $50,000 a month. He made over $3 million, and he has absolutely no experience in the energy area. Now, there's some claim that, uh, one, the president somehow uh, did an impeachable offense because he threatened to withhold funding for the Ukraine. You can look at the telephone call, the transcript that's been released. He never directly or even indirectly threatens to withhold funding over this. And there are others claiming that uh, by his asking a foreign government to take a look at this potential corruption, that he was violating federal campaign finance laws. I can tell you, as a former commissioner on the Federal Election Commission, uh, that's not a violation of federal campaign finance law. But those are the bases for which they're saying he potentially should be impeached. At, at this point, we're pretty caught up on what the impeachment process is and, and how that all transpires and goes down. 
I'm curious, maybe you can talk a little bit about just the consequences of impeachment. Using history as our guide, what would you say are some of those consequences, maybe looking at what happened with with Johnson's impeachment or Clinton's impeachment and and how that impacts today? What I would say about that is that uh, if, to the American people, this impeachment process looks like a partisan effort, not a joint effort, not a bipartisan effort, as it was with Richard Nixon, to actually remove a president who had engaged in actual and serious misconduct. The danger of that to our democratic republic is enormous because this would be put forward as an example of how um, one political party can use the impeachment process to overturn the prior election if they don't like the results. And that's why this has got to be done, if it's done, on a bipartisan basis uh, because if it's a one-party deal, like I said, the American people are going to look at this as a a totally partisan matter. And look, it hasn't even started the right way. Look, the sole power of impeachment is given not to the Speaker of the U.S. House but to the House of Representatives. And with both Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton – the entire House of Representatives voted on whether to start an impeachment inquiry. As everyone knows, that hasn't happened. So it's just just to even start the process they vote, not to vote for impeachment. To just start the process of it, they have to do a vote normally. Well, that's there has been their historical practice. Okay. And there's a good reason for that. Look, you shouldn't go forward with something this serious unless the entire House agrees. Because, listen, other than declaring war— There is no more serious undertaking than the impeachment process because, as I said, the impeachment process is uh, the process for removing a duly elected president and overturning the choice of the American electorate. And you you can't do that on a partisan basis. Hans, thank you so much for coming in and and providing more clarity to us uh, on this issue. Sure. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this week's episode of Heritage Explains. All the research that helped build out this episode has been linked to in the show notes, so go ahead and activate yourself and start clicking. Michelle's going to wrap up our series on impeachment next week, so until then, so long. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.